good. That would have been fun. No, please ex- uh, exploit me for my, um, what are burps? They're not gastrointestinal yeah, uh, issues. Dis- I just call it a, ga- a gas discharge. Yeah, I'm going to exploit you for your gas discharges. It's going to make this podcast go to the moon. Can you start? Yeah, I'm Will. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Emma, and this is We Watch Dead People. It's a podcast where we talk Talk about about gas discharges. Oh my God, no. We talk about (laughs) scary movies. Can you focus? I am focused. Yeah, yeah, we talk about scary <laughs> movies. It's a podcast, you know. If you and this, it's us too. Yeah, bada we, bang, bada boom. Emma generally doesn't like them as much as me. Yeah, is more scared of them than me. I've yep. seen a lot more of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're catching her up, but then also checking out the new stuff together. And, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a good, it's a good time. If you, I, I guess we'll probably say it again at the end, but you know, if you're on a podcast app and you want to subscribe to us or rate us preferably with a, a five star we're we're five star men here yep and women but five star men a woman uh, <laughs> uh, it you know it just helps us out it makes us feel good yeah and if you need compensation for rating us i will send you one toenail clipping because <laughs> <laughs> i don't think i could do feet pics kind of thing and I've for had... every referral you get a little lock of her hair too no not my hair it, it comes out like in huge clumps when you take a okay, shower. You'll have plenty re, to give out. Let's refocus. Okay. Let's we're, refocus. We're talking about a, a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a relatively new one. It's newer. But, but yeah, I think it's become, you may, I, I realized on our first episode back with Malignant, I'm sorry, this is a tangent. Oh, okay. You could hear Fern walking around oh, throughout yeah. and you could probably... Hear her nibbling on her little oh, bone right now. I, hope. I gave her a bone. Yeah, I think everybody's going to be it's fine. A I just want, I just, it's I just, to help her teeth. It's good for her teeth. I just want people to know that that's what they're hearing. Well, in the I can move her to the other room no, if you no, want no, me no, to. No, 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 She's fine. I okay. just want the people to know that that little sound is a cute little dog. Oh it just gosh, makes you feel so better. Cute. Anyways, that's what when I was thinking about what I would give people for a five star rating, I had to settle on toenail clipping because I was like, I could say I'd give you my firstborn, but I would never give you Fern. Yeah. Like you could f- fight me if you want Fern, and I'll take you down. Anyways, we got to refocus. Oh, sorry. Okay, so <laughs> this week's episode is um, on. Go ahead. The Empty Man. Hey, wait. We gotta try it. Try what? Calling the empty man. Who's the empty man? If you're on a bridge and you find a bottle, you blow into it, and you think about the empty man. Oh, come on, Mandy. How old are you? Tell him the rest. On the first night, you hear him. And on the second night, you see him. And on the third night? Well, on the third night, he finds you. Squirming his way into your thoughts. Like a disease. And his message is contagious.
Okay, which actually we had, which we don't do a lot, is a movie I had started to watch with you, but then we actually went back and rewatched it, so it was fresh in the mind for the podcast. Okay, and not to throw you under the bus, you fell asleep. Okay, that's where I was going with this. Yes, I yes, technically the first time I fell which asleep. Which maybe you'll disagree. Don't take as a criticism of the movie. Emma was just tired. Yeah, I was super sleepy, and it was scary, and my. My defense mechanism was like, just go to sleep. You know, my family would take a lot of um, car trips. This is also kind of a tangent. My family would take a lot of car trips when I was little. And whenever I was like afraid of the driving conditions that were happening, this was the anxiety of a, you know, an eight-year-old child. Just go to bed. My defense mechanism was to fall asleep. Well. So <laughs> that's what happened. So we had to. Unfortunately, <laughs> nobody in this movie can fall asleep to get away from the empty oh. man. <laughs> My goodness, yeah. Well, wow. this it's uh, we'll we'll kind of get into it, but this movie came out late last year, mm-hmm. but then sort of has had this new life, which is when we saw it the first time. Yeah, it it um, technically this came summer. out. Yeah, well, um, it well, came out October twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, was after when after many delays. Which after I'll, many I'll, I'll delays, yeah, bit. you can get into it, but it was it officially came out October twenty twenty. Before that, I know it was slotted for August of twenty twenty but was pushed back, you know, due to COVID, which it turns out was many of its, um, many pushbacks, right? Um, It's described, and this is just what Wikipedia (laughs) categorizes it as, supernatural horror thriller film. Yeah, I mean, those words are true. Yeah, because they've taken a bunch of them. And again, this isn't a criticism, but it is sort of like several movies kind of like slammed together in in what i found to be a very enjoyable way but yeah i digress yeah um it's uh it stars james badge dale as former detective james lasombra i i don't know him as an actor but i wanted to include that because his name is james and his character's name is also james Um, I, i like when that happens it is nice james badge dale is a good uh character actor he shows up in a lot of um, unheralded roles in smaller movies. I think the other small movie that he was... This is actually a studio movie, so I shouldn't really lump them in. But he was in a small independent movie called Standoff at Sparrow Creek um, a year or two ago. It was on Hulu last time I checked. I don't know. But he's the lead in mm. that, and he's really good. Oh. Um, and he sort of shows up not infrequently in these sort of grizzled detective roles, and every time does a great job. Um I, I, this was sort of, I, I, again, we'll get into it, but I feel kind of bad for him because I think as a studio horror movie, um, this was supposed to be kind of like a step up for him and then it didn't quite work out that way. Um, but he, he is really good in this movie. Oh, okay. And it, um, it says that it's like loosely based off of a graphic novel of the same name by Cullen Bunn and Vanessa R. Del Rey that, I mean... If it's like the movie, I would love to check it out because I love graphic novels. Um, I haven't read it, but it is evidently not like the movie. Oh, shit, really? Uh, They take place, and I'm throwing air quotation marks that the people can't see, uh, in the same universe. I like that you still did the quotations. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, It takes place in like sort of a post-apocalyptic world. Um, So... uh, 
But it's not the same. It is not the same. Well, that just upsets me because one, I love graphic novels, but I also, um, one of my favorite graphic novels, and I'm going to butcher the title because I can't remember it, but it's called like, I think it might be called The Hole or The Empty Hole or something. I'll look it up and put it in show notes or something, but it's basically an allegory for like sexually transmitted diseases in the suburbs in the 70s amongst teenagers. And, And instead of like getting sexually transmitted diseases, they get these mutations that you know kind of like x-men get them labeled as freaks but they're outcasts and it's this allegory but it's also completely terrifying and i would love it it to be a movie black hole yes see i knew it was a hole (laughs) (laughs) black hole i had to read it for a for a class it sounds a little like it follows which we've covered before on the show yeah yeah um, i liked it follows i think but if it's any consolation (laughs) i know that the creators of the comic signed off on it and you know all this but okay. I, you know I, the the movie um pretty much is the work of this one guy yeah um, I, that was my next point was mm-hmm. that it was adapted written edited and directed by david pryor who you know more yeah he had been um <clears throat> he had been a like the guy who directs behind the scenes featurettes for the dvds mm. f- mostly for david fincher who i think you can see a lot of the influence i'm sorry brush me up because i'm not a nerd like you can you just roll off some titles that david fincher does well there's the one that you want to watch uh, rewatch gone girl oh yeah um fight club uh social okay. network okay thank girl you for just throwing that out i'm sorry i didn't mean to call you a nerd Zodiac. i that's not what okay i love all those movies all i i shouldn't have said nerd what i meant was that i'm not good at remembering names and facts like you are <laughs> Well, I filled up my brain with useless shit. So, no, come on. Um, but that that was David Pryor's background. Um, but you know, and again, I will talk about this in a moment. But David Pryor directed a short movie in 2008 um, that I watched like last week, and mm-hmm. there and are, I watched you watch kind of. I was yeah, doing I was other things, but I saw that you were doing. There were that. a bunch of things in it that then filtered down to the Empty Man, so it's clear that he had like shot recreations and ideas, right? Um, there were a couple di- It wasn't. There that, were a couple sets, set mm-hmm. pieces that he kind of reworked, and there was some dialogue that was repurposed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was clear that he sort of had these ideas for a long time, and he probably um, saw the Empty Man as a sort of a. a <laughs> this will make more sense to you later. A vessel um, <laughs> to put his ideas into. So he sort of worked with this IP um, to to make it happen. So is it is it cool if I talk about some of the production stuff about this movie? Absolutely, baby. And, you go right ahead. And again, I know I have a tendency to sort of get in the weeds. So if you... Yeah, yeah. It, I'm ask, here to pull ask, you back. And, and have ask, you ever seen someone fish? Have you ever played Rapala um, fishing on Wii? Okay, well, okay, I have I'm gonna, and I'm good okay. at... Okay, I'm going to start talking about the production history of okay, The Empty Man now. Uh, <laughs> so like I said, Pryor had done this short film in 2008, and he had done these behind-the-scenes stuff for many years. But in 2016, he got a deal with 20th Century Fox to make The Empty Man. And so at the end of so that... So he had already written it? Sorry. I, I guess. He had the I, concept, I, the idea, whatever, the well, graphic novel. Well, I think he was working around with the ideas and fox said you know we have this partnership with boom studios which is the company that does the comics that 
produce the empty man mm. and they were like you know every company wants uh intellectual property they want ip something they mm-hmm. could franchise so they're like here we have the empty man do oh, you want to okay, do that okay. and so I, think- I got this so 20th century Fox goes hey david Pryor, we got this we got this thing you can do something with it and he's like oh my gosh i've been waiting and waiting he saw the opportunity to put a lot of his ideas into the empty man which again as we talk about the movie very fitting mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so the movie started filming in the end of the 2016 and they shot it in south africa um, but then the, the production schedule got extended quite a ways because they were going to come back to Chicago for some exterior stuff. Um, but there was a blizzard which <laughs> shut down production. And so they had to pick it up several weeks later, which, you know, it might sound kind of simple, but you know, when you think about all the people and the equipment and the logistics, yeah, it's quite expensive to shut down the production of a movie and then pick it back up. Mm-hmm. They still were able to do that, um, but I, I, I'm not sure if it's in between, like during the shutdown or what. Um, the producer at 20th Century Fox, who had signed prior on, um, leaves the studio, and I'm not sure if that's euphemistic for he got fucking shit canned or what. I but, hope he retired. I hope um, he said, you know what, I've dedicated years and years and I'm ready to go relax and spend some time with my grandkids. I have grandkids now and I'm ready to see them. Maybe we'll bake cookies every Saturday. Well, I hope you're right, but I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> wow. So, you know, again, it's it may not seem, it may not be the most obvious thing, but at a big studio like that, you sort of work with an individual producer who helps you along. Um, and if they leave, especially with a movie sort of as strange as The Empty Man, which we will get into later, it, it, it's like you're, they, they call it being orphaned, which is maybe not totally oh PC, but yeah, I mean, that's what it is. So basically, there were a bunch of people at 20th Century Fox that now didn't know what to do with this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had already invested over $10 million in it. And it was like mostly finished, so they were like, "Shit, okay, go finish it." So Pryor finishes the filming, and then they urge him to rush along a cut. But at the same time, they do their own cut of the movie. What? Why are they rushing him? Um, I think part of it is because there were it was expensive. Ta- well, no, I mean f- the movie ends up having a budget of like fifteen million bucks. Which is altogether That's sizable for a horror movie. It's sizable. Well, it's I wouldn't of, say it's sizable for a movie overall, and you can correct me because you know the numbers and the data, and your brain is full of all the mush, right? <laughs> but that just on hearing that, that feels low for a normal blockbuster, but for a horror movie, especially starting out, that feels relatively high. Well, I don't think they imagined it would be a blockbuster, but it's certainly not, it's not a lot of money in the grand scheme of studio movie mo- making. studio movie making. Yeah, but. $15 million is sort of in this weird middle ground of money that they generally actually don't make movies at that sort of like mid-tier price anymore. It's mm-hmm. either for very little or for a lot. Right. So 15, no, it's 15, like the U.S. Six, economy. There's actually way fewer of a middle class than we perceive to be. But sorry, go on. That's fine. In, in, <laughs> insightful stuff. So I think they rushed him for the cut because um, there were tax credits from South Africa that they wanted to get. Mm. So it's some some bullshit. Okay. Um, but at the same time, they sort of made their own cut, which studios often do, and it tested really badly. Um, so they sort of were like, okay, well, we really don't care about this movie now. Um, 
then twentieth <laughs> century Fox. So sorry, Pryor didn't get to make a cut. They the studio made a cut and then made showed cut. it to people, and people were like, "Boo!" He made a cut, and they made a cut. And only, they didn't test. Only their cut was shown to people. Okay. And it did very badly. Okay. Sorry. Go on. Um, I don't know what their cut looks like. How much they cut out. Um, this mm-hmm. is Pryor's cut. Well, I, I, I don't yeah, want to get out of I don't want to get ahead of myself. It's okay. okay, okay. Disney buys 20th Century Fox. Ah. So things are thrown even more into limbo. Pryor sort of is taken out of the process altogether. And Disney, believe it or not, doesn't really know how to sell this adult horror movie. What? But <laughs> Halloween at Disney is one of the biggest money makers for the parks. Well, not with a movie like The Empty Man. Okay, and I'm not and, a Disney adult, and I don't really support that lifestyle. I'm sorry to say. I mean, do what you got to do, but I'm not about it. But Halloween at Disney looks fun. Sorry, sidebar, go on. Well, prior for a long time then. So again, this movie finishes filming in the spring of 2017. The deal is completed to buy 20th Century Fox in early 2019. So it's already been two years. Mm -hmm. Pryor can't get people at Disney to return his calls, he says, in Mm -hmm. interviews he's done. Um, He's been very candid about this process in interviews with like the Thrillist and stuff. They're really quite interesting if you're at all curious about movie making at this level. I I would be interested, Um, I guess. But eventually he has somebody he can talk to. And they start to tell him, "Okay, uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna aim to release the movie spring 2020." And mm-hmm. the time comes, and he doesn't hear anything. And then obviously the pandemic hits, and so the, it just comes and goes. And I, this is what you know you were saying August 2020. I think that was one of those benchmarks that somebody threw out, and they didn't hit oh. it. Um, so then in mid October. Pryor has no notice of this, no input on the marketing materials. They drop a poster and a trailer out of the sky. So, <laughs> and what a like shock that would be. Oh, I mean, I can't even, I can't even imagine if you've put, you literally. I mean, so having watched that short film, he has the seeds of this movie as early as two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. then films it in 2016, 2017. Now in the fall of 2020, in the middle of a pandemic that has ravaged the whole country, but the movie business. And you know, in, there was in, a big effect from COVID on the movie industry. Yeah. Yes, they just dropped this out of the sky. Like and, what up? <laughs> and here's something we don't and care the about. Tra- the trailer and the poster. I mean, this is partially the fault of the title as well. Mm-hmm. But the trailer and the poster are evocative of these sort of urban legend shit movies that have come out in the last few years, like the Bye Bye Man and Slender Man. Um, okay. I, I don't think I've seen either of those. I saw... They're bad. I, I've seen a lot of Slender Man documentaries. Well, this... I've, watched, they, I've gone down they, that YouTube they, rabbit hole and I'm They made a Slender Man movie yeah. and it's quite bad. And they yeah. made the movie The Bye Bye Man, which is also really bad. And so it sort of has that vibe. Okay. Um, so already people are weary, weary. and then it comes. It, it comes out a week later, and a week, a week after they dropped the trailer and the poster. That's... Prior, Prior says he didn't even know what cut they were going to put into the theater. Like he didn't know if it was going to be his or another. So he was really. Holy shit! And in an interview, he said that he went. And this is really sad. He mm. went ready to think that he shouldn't be proud of the movie. Because it had gotten like so jerked around. 
And so the first time he saw the final movie with like all the music and all the like all the special effects was sitting in a theater in October 2020 with like four other people. So he had they didn't he, even send him a copy. He had to go to the theater to watch it. And he said that after watching it, he you know, there were things he would have changed or done differently, but he was actually proud of the movie, which okay. is very sweet. Yeah. But so it wasn't that original studio cut then. No, it was his cut, which Again, you know, so The Empty Man and, or excuse me, The Bye Bye Man and Slender Man are like 90 minute movies. Okay. So this movie is two hours and 15 minutes long. I know, I which, slept. <laughs> which if you're looking at on paper, people who think, okay, so this is like The Bye Bye Man or Slender Man, but it's like, long? it's like 45 minutes longer. Mm-hmm. No, thanks. Um, so it does really badly. It made $4.2 million on oh. a $16 million budget. But also, like, stupid the, of them in, to release well, it they, in theaters. But they, they did that on purpose. They just sort of, like, had this... Disney had this line item that they didn't, like, know anything about yeah. or care about. And yeah. it's just like, okay, no. we've got this $16 million thing. Let's just dump it right now. Yeah, I've known, because I'm sure that the upfront cost money is 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 nothing to Disney. But... Still, though, even just, I'm, okay, yeah, it's nothing to Disney. I just, like, look at Tenet, like. Well, and this movie came out around the same time as Tenet. So, like, a movie like Tenet, which had actual buzz and anticipation, yeah, struggled really hard in theaters. Yeah, Imagine how the fucking empty man did. Yeah, I I mean, it made a million dollars in its opening weekend, but then made, like, half a million in the second and, like, a quarter of a million in the third. I mean, really bad. Um, and so little did Disney care about this movie. They had rebranded 20th Century Fox as 20th Century Studios mm-hmm. um, and had changed the logo in all the movies that they had acquired, like Call of the Wild and stuff like that. Oh, um, the dog movie? Yeah. Yeah. The Empty Man still says 20th Century Fox. They didn't even change it. Holy shit. They do not fucking care about this movie. Did and, not care. Yeah. Well, yeah. And they should start to care now because... Basically, the movie comes and goes, and it's out of theaters in probably less than a month. And it gets um, pretty middling reviews, middling to poor, and people don't really like it. But then it comes out on digital in January 2021. What digital? Well, like you could rent it on Amazon or whatever. Um, And then maybe in like sometime in the spring, it goes on HBO Max. Okay. In that window, there's this... Kind, kind of like unprecedented um, reassessment of the movie. It's like a cult movie happened in real time where a bunch of people suddenly were like, you know what, this is actually a really interesting movie. And it's really, it's not perfect, but it's really good. I don't know if I would call it unprecedented. I mean, I, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I guess I feel like there was some buzz. And I my Twitter, I accidentally got locked out of my Twitter kind of right around a few months into COVID. So I feel like I've missed some things, but I feel like what COVID afforded movie watchers were the time to go and do deep dives on movie streaming platforms because we had a lot of people had a lot more time than they usually would. And it was like, okay, like I love movies and this kind of looks crap, but what else do I have to do? You know, my Animal Crossing Island is perfectly fine. Let's watch a movie. And so I, I don't know. I feel like that's almost kind of the perfect storm. Well, but that, I mean, that's kind of the thing with this movie is that even when it went out on digital, it wasn't, you know, you're right. There was such a dearth of content that 
companies were trying to put new stuff in front of you all the time, mm-hmm. whether it was, for, you know, air quotes, free on your streaming platform of choice or you were renting it. Yeah. They yeah. didn't do that with The Empty Man. People just sort of like found it, found it, and, and then stu- and then and, and then a couple people started up. writing about it, and they told, "Hey, you should watch The Empty Man." And then, so I mean, that's the kind of cult thing that usually takes several years to like come together. <laughs> cult, uh, yeah, that'll also become relevant. But <laughs> um, in this case, it, it happened over a period of several months, and now there's like it. It's you know, I was listening, one of my favorite movie podcasts is The Big Picture. Mm-hmm. And uh, the host of that, Sean Fennessy, was saying in this talk about Malignant, which we covered um, in our first episode back, mm-hmm. that he was kind of disappointed with it and thinks 2021 has been kind of weak for horror. And although it technically came out in 2020, 2020 the he, resurgence. He considers Empty Man the best movie, the best horror movie of 2021. Wow. Um, and I, I would be hard pressed to disagree myself i mean it's well 2021 well, it's not over it's true but it's I mean, more than halfway over well we'll we'll sort of dive in but i mean it is a, a, a definitely an adult minded movie it's complex it's really ambitious mm-hmm. uh, and uh, i mean it's sort of it, it leans into tropes but in a way that really works and i found it to be quite an effective movie um sure i, I don't know We'll talk about our yeah. thoughts and feelings. But I had a I had a couple gripes, but I'm not well, disagreeing I mean, I, overall okay. with. I'll tell you when I disagree. Okay. And again, it's when not, we get into yeah, it, it's yeah. not a perfect movie, and I would never say as much. But there is no perfect movie except <laughs> except Bolt. Okay, um, <laughs> but <laughs> it it's uh, it, it it's a movie that has stuck with me, and I'm really glad that we're talking about it. Um, so I think. What? We'll never get to review Vault for this podcast. Not in the... Not My in interests the... are not valued. I'm just going to remind you that this was actually your idea at the start. Yeah, I know. So okay. that's your yeah, fault. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm going <laughs> to... Before we... We're going to get into The Empty Man and we're probably going to do... Huh. We're going we're gonna to be doing spoilers. Yeah. So if you haven't at this point, go watch it on HBO Max yeah. or rent it out of a red box or rent it on Amazon Prime. Those are the only places that you can get it. Oh my goodness. And then listen and message message us on Instagram or leave us comments, whatever, like where you agree or disagree or answering any questions or disputes that we have because I love to engage with that. Sorry. Well, and this is a movie that sort of invites that. It's got some ambiguity and... Um, not just ambig- ambiguity for its own sake, but like it has it has its reasons for doing it. So it mm-hmm. invites discussion, which I always enjoy. Yes. But I will try, and you can let me know how I do, okay. to give a brief summary of what this movie's about. You want me to spo- give you like a rating, one out of 10, one out of five? Because I, I love to give you feedback. I'll give you one out of five. Go ahead. Okay. This Detective James LaSombra's neighbor's daughter goes missing. And in doing, and when she goes missing, on her mirror is written in blood, "The empty man made me do it." And he begins to investigate the dis- disappearance, and um, a strangeness and disturbing happenings ensue. Yeah, pretty good. Four and a half. Thank you. That's very nice of you. I would have said just shit goes down. Now, that is that's that is true. Shit does go down. Yeah. Um, 
this movie is so much more than that description um mm-hmm. and we'll we'll get into it but that if if you haven't watched it go watch it right now i mean i don't think i would really be so insistent on on it for a lot of things but this movie you should check out um whether you like it or not i don't know but check it out for sure um Okay, we're going to kind of get into the spoilers now. We're just going to go over the movie and kind of talk about it. Yeah. Um, This movie does not begin in the present day, nor does it begin with that detective. No, it has a... Would it be a epilogue? A prologue. A prologue. Like a 22-minute It is 22 minutes, yes. So much so that the first time we watched this, because I didn't fall asleep in the first 22 minutes, I probably fell asleep hour in maybe okay in the first 22 minutes we stopped maybe like 12 minutes into that mm-hmm. and went and looked at the description to make sure that we were watching the right movie because the the movie description on hbo max is it's basically what um, I yeah it's very similar to what you said and we we're like that's not what's happening in the slightest the movie starts in the mid 90s in bhutan with four college-age hikers traveling well we don't know that they're college age they're young people they're young they're two young couples which gets into my first gripe about the movie it's a gripe you do not care about at all can i air my grievances for two minutes you can time me okay so it starts in bhutan in 1995 is what it says and they're two couples who are on a hiking trip they are outfitted for hiking they got backpacks and gears and whatever and they are so clearly not in the mid 90s the two women are wearing skinny jeans which did not come i would disagree with that uh description of their pants but they're not straight like what you okay they don't look like skinny jeans they look, look like they do look like slimmer cut hiking pants which may be acronistic but for they the are time. jeans i did not think they were jeans one of them rachel what was the what was the one who was with the guy I don't remember. Whatever her name was, they were jeans. And I will not... These are my gripes, okay? In 1995, skinny jeans or slim cut jeans were not in fashion at all. There was the boot cut. And then eventually by 1997, there was the rise of the Janko jeans. So This may surprise people to know. This has no impact on the movie it whatsoever. has nothing it has to literally do i am nothing to not do with saying it has anything to do with the movie i'm just saying what i love is detail oriented placement and costuming and and setting and house detail do you know what i mean Things- well there's the first thing we can invite viewers to discuss with us do you really think that this woman's pant uh, first of all, is that out of whack with what's happening in the movie? Second, does it take you out of the movie? William, <laughs> I said, give me two minutes. It took me out of the movie because right away I was like, this is not 1995. That's all. That's all I have to say. Go on. Well, the thing that the opening of the movie reminded me of almost right away is The Exorcist because once I sort of figured mm. out what I, I and I have to say that was in more second more on the second viewing because the first time it was sort of like what the fuck is going on this is <laughs> this is weird I did uh, have that with The Exorcist which, when you were like it's this movie it's about this it's so great and then we watched it and I was like what? they're in Iraq what's going on why um, but I mean it's a Again, and this is why we sort of, if you haven't already turned back from the spoiler conversation, please go. Just go do it right now. Just watch the fucking movie. Because it was such a shock to me that this was how the movie started. And it sort of already drew me in. 
And I will say your gene thing also happened on the second watch. You were sort of more in the mystery of because what's happening. Because I was paying attention. Yeah, well, exactly. But anyways, so, you know. They, also, the first time I hadn't read that it was 1995 and that's, I hadn't okay. read the title card. Okay. Well, they're on this sort of journey through Bhutan and they're, they're they introduce several motifs in the movie, mm-hmm. which are like bridges and f- whistling sounds emanated whether from flutes or bottles. Yeah, so they, we follow them. They hike up a mountain. They cross a bridge, which will become relevant later. And when they get to the top, Paul, which is one of the two guys, um, hears like a whistling noise. And we as the audience can hear it, but it is faint. It is mm-hmm. much fainter than the rest of the movie. But he clearly hears it as we hear it later on in the movie, which mm-hmm. I think is interesting. Yeah. And he goes to try and find the source of he's this whistling call, he's noise. He's called to it in a way. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, because nobody else hears it. Greg and the, and the two girls are like, what? And... In searching for the source, he falls into this crevice, and he falls down a, a, a pretty much a literal rabbit hole. I mean, it's not. Yeah, it falls into a crevice in a cave, and I got to give props to these hiking people because right away they're like, "Oh shit!" They get out the rappel, they find a rock to hook onto, and and uh, Greg is. He goes down. Is that the name of the other guy, Greg? Yeah, it's okay. Paul and Greg, and I'm really sorry that I can't remember the girls. I feel I like it's can Rachel. O- I can honestly only remember Paul's name. I but. really feel like Rachel's one of them. Okay. But anyways, Greg rappels down, and after sort of like scanning through the cave with his flashlight, discovers Paul sitting cross-legged in front of this enormous... Um, humanoid yeah it's got too many fingers and it's too big but it's a skeleton and it is it is it is really fucking creepy even yeah it's got too many fingers and it's the fingers are crossed they're interlocked interlocked in front of the skeleton and then it's almost got this kind of like dark awk tentacles coming out from it but it's also skeletal bone like i did put it in my notes while we were watching that like i was genuinely genuinely creeped out i'm not i'm not gonna lie and i don't think i've told emma this it's something i've now considered getting a tattoo of is that that skeleton that skeleton it's very and i fully support you badass it's really really striking looking and very frightening Mm -hmm. um but paul that's something else that i don't think we've talked about yet but like since in the show's hiatus we now each have a horror movie tattoo and i got mine first (laughs) Yeah, then it's funny. <laughs> I have a midsummer or um, midsummer tattoo, and you have a tattoo from the the thing. The thing, which I hope we can cover in a later episode. Yeah, sure. Um, but anyways, Paul is sitting, and he's much more flush than we last saw him, and he's qu- mm-hmm. and he's quiet. He's like unresponsive. Um, Greg comes up to him, and Paul starts muttering, and it's only after several times that we can hear it, and he says, "If you touch me, you'll die." Which. You hate to hear. Yeah, you sure do. In terms of being scared, fuck that. And Greg sort of thinks about it, but then he touches him, and Paul immediately starts crying, which again, you hate to see it. You hate bad. You just hate to see it. Now, if it's a four-year-old having a bad day, so it goes. So they lift Paul out of there, and they carry him uh, through through the day, and they've come across this cabin, which um, is conveniently well-insulated so and stocked, but... 
um, there's an incoming snowstorm, so they get sort of snowed into it. And the cabin is very well insulated. That's something else I made note of. Yeah. That they're so lucky that it's insulated. I, I, details, I, I'm, details. I'm just I'm realizing as we talk about this, there is so much going on in this movie that we're gonna we're gonna have we're to gonna, skip over. We're some gonna stuff. Mi- and we're gonna miss stuff too. Yeah. I mean, um, it's just inevitable. This is a really dense movie, and I I know that you're bothered by the gene detail, but there's a lot of other detail in this movie that better suits the plot. Yeah. Um, that is impressive. Yes, I'm, imp- I'm not disagreeing with that. Um, I'm just saying there are some things I care about that I want talked about. If we yeah. can't talk about Bolt, we're going to talk about people's jeans. I, the fashion, whatever. Go on. <laughs> they find a cabin, very nice because it snowstorms. Greg and his girlfriend are like, we got to go try and find help. Like, Paul is unresponsive. He's gone limp noodle. Paul's girlfriend is trying to, like, stay with him and help him. She's getting... Greg has gotten annoyed with Paul, though, because Paul, and we see through some, like, self-harm marks and stuff like that, it's indicated that he's had some um, mental health issues. And Greg is sort of... Um, blaming that yeah really. he says it's not, he didn't hurt his head it's in his head or something like yeah, that. yeah and like how, oh god he just wants attention things like that you know some yeah. bad bad stuff but, but greg but, is clearly annoyed but greg and his girlfriend go they exit out into the snowstorm or you know maybe the snowstorm's gotten a little less bad but they're going out to try and see if they can find someone around to help because paul has basically gone catatonic Mm -hmm. right and paul's girlfriend stays behind with him and she thinks that she sees someone coming through the snow to them and so she cloaked figure a cloaked figure which they're in bhutan and we see when they're hiking up the mountains some monks so it's like as an audience member too i was like okay like that's i hadn't actually thought of that that's interesting that's immediately what i thought of and i was like i'm not like i know because it's a horror movie that it's going to be bad but i can understand why she all of a sudden like drops everything runs out shoeless but she has socks on right into the snow and it's like hey hey help us and then cloak figure's no good you get a creepy encounter where she steps toward the figure and the figure steps toward her like mirroring just one step one step she then backs up, mm-hmm. and the the figure still steps towards her, and then it starts to run at her. And she runs back into the cabin. And the door is banging, and then it turns out, oh, it's those other two. The other Craig couple are and, there. Yeah, his um, girlfriend. So clearly, like, Let us in. clearly some strange things are afoot. I should mm-hmm. also mention, God, we missed some things here. What? Well, Paul had procured oh. that flute. Which he blew into. At this point, his girlfriend, the skeleton, his girlfriend like, has also blown into the flute. Yeah, she like finds it in his hand and blows into it. So after the girl, and it gives off that kind of whistling note that we heard in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so after that sort of scare with the cloak figure, it's nighttime, and we see that Paul is like levitating i mean we I don't, don't see his feet to me you only see his head and it's right above her head and it looks like his arms are at his but side he's like right against her like doing this very creepy whoosh, like whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. asmr whispering creepy whispering right into her ear oh my god um so then the next day they wake up and paul is gone and they trace his steps back to the bridge that they had crossed and he's sitting there again cross-legged and there's some sort of like connection between him and his girlfriend who as greg is scolding paul for making it all about himself the paul's girlfriend suddenly produces a knife and stabs him 
and stabs his girlfriend and pushes them both into the over, into the over the cliff. Yeah, into the into it's the over gulch. a cliff. Yeah. yeah, they had kind of been. Paul had been sitting right in front of the bridge, and then Paul and her lock eyes, and he cries, and she tilts back down into the gulch, and mm-hmm. he blows into the flute, and then we get the title card, and then we're in Missouri in twenty eighteen Missouri. And what also flashes on the screen right after that, because I noted it, said day one, which it had with Paul too. Like that's a little later. That's um. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. but okay, yeah. The, so we pick up the story now with James Lasombra, James Badgedale's character, who is runs a security store, and it's we see Been him a use former cop or detective or whatever. We find that yeah, you find that out a little yeah, bit yeah, later, yeah, right? He's, he owns a security store. And he's using a coupon on his birthday, and he just sort of has this very sad, lonely To life. go to a restaurant alone. But, but as he's running, we hear oh, we hear this. Oh, and then they sing him happy birthday. It's tough. But we hear this like sort of disembodied voice saying, where were you? Where were you? So clearly the man has demons. Trauma. But after coming home from his lonely Mexican dinner, he finds his neighbor uh his who is a high school girl named uh amanda amanda, amanda mandy mm-hmm. who's got uh, an awful bowl haircut look and we can't get hung up on costuming and character details we'll move on with the plot are you shitting me okay um <laughs> she does have a bad haircut but i'm not going to engage with you about that because you wouldn't let me engage about the skinny jeans go on about the plot he finds the, amanda in his backyard sitting on a bench in front of his pool go his on. very dirty pool and they have a very peculiar conversation mm-hmm. in it we learn that amanda's dad is dead and so is james's wife and son yep young um, son. but then amanda starts to give off this sort of weird nihilistic philosophy talking point thing where she's like nothing you know nothing matters, matters because nothing's, nothing's real, real. Yeah. and um <laughs> he's sort of dismissive of this he's like but okay she's, kid but she's she's keen um mm-hmm. they kind of go their separate ways um but then shortly thereafter amanda's mom contacts james and lets him know that she's missing and this is where you see the mirror with the empty man made me do it and whatnot yeah and so thus begins his quest to investigate her disappearance and he talks to her friend um what what is that character's name i can't remember it starts uh, with a d i think it's devara yeah that's devara devara who yeah he goes to the high school he stakes out the high school which it's a just strange. having been a teacher if i was doing bus duty and there was clearly um a like man and remember he's not a cop so he's just in his own car mm-hmm. parked across from the school scoping out and then calls a teenage girl over i would have been like Okay, I gotta, I gotta go involve myself. But no, well, he calls her over. And is like, what do you know? And she's like, do you have a cigarette? <laughs> and he's like, okay, here, I'll point get out, in my car. This is just a side thing. I'll note that the high school is like, I'm gonna butcher the pronunciation, but it's a Jacques Derrida high school <laughs> who is like a deconstructionist philosopher. So that also ties into the movie. It's kind well, of a clever little. Well, I didn't notice that at all. Tip of the hat. But, okay. anyways, not to me. James and Devara begin to talk, and she details to him this night that her mandy and a couple of their other friends had where they're out on a bridge and they're just hanging out doing high school stuff and i will admit pretty well acted 
high school kid behavior. Yeah, I um, mean they're clearly not high not school a lot. kids. It's not a lot to do, but, but it's it's believable. It is actually decently believable. I will say the one thing about that scene is they kind of detail or give exposition as to how, and this ties back into the urban legend, right? The like bye bye a man type of shit of like how you call the empty man, which is what the, and it, it is all have played lame. The, I well. It's I will, lame. I will blow have, in a bottle after dark. Think about him, like that. That, okay. that audio clip I will have played in the trailer. Which yeah, I'll play. I know. But but it reads as lame, and it's part of the reason the trailer didn't work. Yeah. But no, I know it's purposely lame. I just well, but as we bring it, no, it, it's. It, I was going to say it in regard to the conversation between James and Mandy at the pool. Mm-hmm. It's the same goes for this. After you've watched the movie once, this is a movie that rewards multiple viewings because mm-hmm. the lameness of it makes so much more sense the second time around. Yeah. Which, God, if you're still listening, Jesus Christ, and you haven't watched it, just what the no, fuck stop, are you doing? Stop, stop. No, if but the, the, here, spo- the, the spoiler is, is that they need people. Amanda's a part of a group that needs people. It's a cult. To be- well, and we'll get into that, but they need people to invest in the empty man to fulfill their As mission. As a thought, yeah. yeah. They, which like, is why she is want to sharing. manifest shit. Yeah, which is why she's sharing it and mm-hmm. doing it in this ham-fisted way mm-hmm. because that's how stuff like that spreads. And it, it, it's really a clever twist on something we've seen so many yeah, times Yeah, that before. they make it into a lame urban legend because then a whole lot of kids are going to think about it helping their manifestation yeah so you you blow in the bottle and you think about the empty man on a bridge and yeah you have to be on a bridge after dark and you have to find an empty bottle yeah and so you blow on i'm just saying it's way harder than turning the lights off and saying like bloody mary in the mirror i'm just gonna tell you but she says on the first night you hear him Mm -hmm. on the second night you see him yeah you see him and the the third third night night, he he gets gets, it Yeah, and so all the kids take their turn doing it, and they hear footsteps and they run away. Mm-hmm. Um, this has clearly spooked Devara, um, who didn't want to do it in the first place. I felt yeah. so bad for her. I would have. She takes it and like blows into it as like a fuck you to you guys. But I was just kind of say I'm the person who is afraid enough of things that if that was handed to me, I would have just smashed the bottle and been like, screw you. Yeah, I go home. <laughs> So James goes to try to find some of those other friends of hers, but can't do it. So he heads to the- Yeah, he can't find them. They're so all he, like missing. He goes to their houses and their houses are empty or their parents are like, have you seen them? And Whatever. one of them he finds um, a dead dog, which is where oh, the blood yeah. on that's on Amanda's mirror well, has come yeah, from. Yeah, matches. Because they um, had said, the well, detectives were like, the blood's not human. Yeah, so yeah, we, yeah, yeah. we suppose that it comes from that dog, which yeah. was horrible to see with no warning that all of a sudden there was a dead dead yeah, name dog for me it's a bummer that's that's hard. Um, it's always 10 times harder for me to watch animal stuff than no i agree i don't like to see that but yeah. um anyways so he goes to the bridge and he blows into the bottle it's daytime yeah it is not but, after dark but then uh, it might be it might not be the first time it happens but um all the sound cuts out of the movie basically mm-hmm. um and it's very still it's an effective trick to be that quiet well they don't overuse it and no but it's yeah. i mean it's effective i mean so many horror movies we we recently talked about malignant malignant has a lot of stings that undercut the scares freaking um, music cues that yeah, are bizarre but yeah. so yeah. that the silence here is effective mm-hmm. yeah I agree and you hear that, that you hear this sort of 
faint sound that you assume is the empty man. Yeah. Because it sounds very similar to what the kids heard at, at in the yeah, night scene. Yeah, kind of a footstep. Um, but James then investigates and he crawls down a manhole under the bridge. He finds a manhole cover that's uncovered yeah. and crawls and, down and it. Again, we were talking about Malignant, how they had jump scares, and that's what James Wan does, and this sort of thing. There is a jump scare at this scene that is so much better done, so much more effective, mm-hmm. which is that oh my James cl- climbs down, and he clearly sees something that we don't see, and they cut, and all of Devara's friends, except for except, except friends, for except for Devara and yeah, Amanda, yeah, are hanging under the bridge, Ugh. and the sound that James heard was one of the girl's feet hitting a pipe just sort of with the wind it is so fucked up so so unpleasant well the hanging like and i told you this when we watched this and i was actually awake for this hanging bodies has it's just always been one of my images that i hate i hate it too which pirates of the caribbean do they start with hanging I think they're saying in the first one, isn't there? No, no, no. I'm talking about the very first scene. It's oh, not the first one. I don't remember. They have the little kid. He's got a pirate's coin, and they have mm-hmm. to put up like a little barrel. We're getting off track, but that, like that, generally not a scary. You know, action. So there's some scare, but no, generally not a horror ants. movie. But messed me up. Yeah. Was and, so. I, it's and, just never been. And it's one it. of the first. I, it's like the second big twist of the movie because I would say the first is that the movie starts in Bhutan. Yeah. Then the second is that you sort of... And they're not wearing Janko jeans. <laughs> the second twist is this because you sort of get the vibe for 20, 30 minutes that this is going to be um, a detective procedural movie. But yep. then the mystery's kind of over. All the kids are fucking dead. So, well, um, except for Devara, which we then cut to and she is in... A sauna. Um, or... She's yeah. It looks like to me, honestly, like a a kind of locker room at a gym. It's pretty but, cool. Like, she's no, in there all by herself. She's looks... in there all by herself, <laughs> and then climbs into the sauna, and then she she sees the empty man. Yep. Who attacks her with scissors, but then through the work of the editing, we see that she in fact is actually stabbing herself with scissors in her own face. It's quite unpleasant. Yep. Yeah. Um, So at this point, all of Amanda's friends are dead. Yep. And it's sort of... And we haven't seen Amanda again. (laughs) No. Uh, There's no like cut to her crawling through an alleyway or... And in fact, we don't... We have no idea. We don't see her again for a long time. Yeah. But James is sort of at a loss. I mean, this is obviously horrible. What's all happened here. And And he goes home. Mm-hmm. And then he does actually, this was another like portion that I marked as like actually truly, truly terrifying to me is that he hears the empty man and he even kind of, not like, not like actually sees him like the cloak in Bhutan or whatever, but like there's a shadow under his door. Like it truly terrifying. And when he me. opens the door, his front door to his house is wide open. Yeah. But no one's there. Yeah. But then day two, oh. which is where we, this is where the movie again, kicks off in another direction, which is that a recurring thing he found with all the kids at their homes is reference to this Pontifex Institute. Yeah, literature from Pontifex Institute. And he's done research, and they were a group that sort of would preach these, you know, Eastern ideals, and they had had uh, a case in which they were trying to conjure a tulpa, which we'll get into in a bit, and people had died, and so it's obviously a. But shady... it also they have some like 
nihilist thoughts similar to what Amanda was spouting at the beginning. Well, he sort of discovers that once he actually goes. Yeah, you're right. So he does go to the Pontifex Institute, and Mm -hmm. he has a weird interaction with the receptionist, and then he goes to hear the speech, which is given by, I guess, we're led to assume, the leader of the group, who's played by the great character actor Stephen Root. Love Stephen Root. And this is... Don't know his name ever, but love him. I'll take a a sideways thing to say that this is... I, I doubt Pryor did it on purpose, but it is really clever, or really worked out to his advantage to have Stephen Root in this, because in this scene, it's the only scene Root's in, and Root is without question, I think, the most famous person in the movie. Yeah. And yeah, so 100%. the studio couldn't really justify cutting this scene, um, which... Thank goodness. Yeah. I mean, but it's sort of... It's really, it's quite an intellectual... I know that sounds super pretentious, but it's <laughs> it's way more intellectual than I think they were trying to present the movie. So by preserving it, it sort of keeps that all intact. At any rate... Root's character explains this nihilist philosophy about how there really is nothing and we should try to be less and come together that way through binding through the great nothingness, something to that effect. And um, he specifically references the empty man. Um, So James comes up to him after the talk and Root has sort of a a wry sense of knowing and talking to him. Yeah. And in hindsight, very it's very, wry. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> um, but he sort of explains to him these, these interesting ideas about repetition and, um, transmission and receiving of different modes of thought from different planes. And this idea that, you know, repetition renders certain words, Ideas are whole bodies of thought, meaningless, but if you actually consider them, that they're very profound. And he specifically references this Frederick Nietzsche idea about, Mm. you know, (laughs) if you stare into the abyss, the abyss is staring back into you, but, you know... Well, and this is what comes in with his wryness, is that he's like, you know, that's kind of become a refrigerator magnet kind of thing, but, like, actually think about it, which I find as a very interesting concept, and I know this is totally an aside, but I feel like there are a lot of little sayings like that that are, you know, in their day or historically are seen as really profound, and then they're adopted by a lot of people, right? They become popular, right? Kind of his reference to, like, they become refrigerator magnets, Mm -hmm. and as soon as they become kind of popular things, they're then dismissed which is which is an idea and a concept that i and they don't matter but yeah i I, what interests me about that is that i feel like there's a lot of that that happens and again this is a total aside so you can cut me off but i feel like there's a lot of things that that happens with with pop culture and what like teenage girls are into that then becomes dismissed because like a lot of people enjoy them and as soon as a lot of people enjoy something it's no longer relevant or good um but like if you actually consider it from like in its specifics it's still good you just decide you don't like it because everybody does and i love that concept because i whatever we can get back to the movie but i just i really loved when he said that because the scariness and the creepiness and the nihilism aside like i feel like that's something that we do a lot we become very dismissive of things that are popular simply because they are popular go on sorry this is that's just something i care about yeah sure sure but 
I mean, basically, he's trying to articulate that there's there's power in repetition to render render things meaningless. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's really a compelling little um, monologue. monologue from him. Yeah, to and use it, a, to throw a theater th- <laughs> term at you. I did go to theater school, so it's called a monologue. <laughs> go on. James investigates the building and he comes across a creepy meeting in the basement where they're sort of all blowing into bottles Bottles. and he hears some weird sounds from beneath him, but then he's thrown out. But then he's given a... Well, beneath him because he's like watching the meeting from above on like a balcony kind of thing, yeah. Out in the alleyway though, he's then given a tip from somebody he saw inside that um, the Pontifex Institute has a camp, which we saw referenced earlier on the Wikipedia search thing that he's doing where they engage in psychological experimentation and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So he drives out there and investigates the camp, and he finds these videotapes. Well, first of all, he finds a a cabinet of folders, one of which is his name, but it's empty. Yeah. um, Which is spooky. Mm -hmm. Then he heads to a cabin um, and finds videotapes that are labeled like manifestation number 14 or whatever, and he watches them. And there are these really haunting tapes of these sort of like slightly less than human people who are like pulling out their own innards and like painting on the walls yeah it's really disturbing yeah and the imagery of the that the pontifex institute like the those videotapes and then also the paintings on the wall but then also remember when he first goes there in the lobby there's a painting of the cabin Mm -hmm. that they were trapped at in the snow in bhutan so right away there's a bunch of reoccurring things that are no good yeah so he finds these tapes and and he watches them and he is freaked out. He's uncomfortable. He's but, uncomfortable. But he watches He's them He's not long. pooping his pants like he I watches would. Not long, to be graphic, but... Oh he watches God. long enough that it goes from day into night. And then we get into one of the better frightening sequences of the movie. Oy. Which is he goes back out into the nighttime... Yeah. And he follows some sounds with his flashlight. Until- oh, the bear, though? The bear oh. that's in the cabin behind him. And then when he turns around to finally leave, the bear is gone. The bear it's a creeps little, me a stuffed bear. Yeah, it's a little... Yeah, sorry. Sorry, this um, isn't... This is the midsummer. But just little things like that. So it's no good. He yeah. goes into the woods and he's like, walks, because does he hear? Does he see? Something draws him... A little him of both, I think. And then- away from his car. And he is like a marsh away from a field where clearly a ritual is happening and like there's there's a a bridge over a a little bit of water surrounded by reeds and tall grass i feel like marsh might not be 100 percent the right sounds right to me description but but there's a mass of people who are running around a campfire in in a eerily synchronized circle around a huge fire it looks a little fun he becomes disoriented and when he sort of comes to there's a there the fire is out and there's just a big floodlight and the, all those people are standing still and facing him and facing him and then the light goes out <laughs> and then they begin to move in unison toward him but just steps almost like the empty man from well, the they, very they, beginning they take the a snowstorm. they do a long prolonged walk and then they stop yeah and then he takes a step, step back, back they and they take, take one, one big toward step him. toward him and then he does something that I found very relatable and you were a little like 
Okay. No, I said it was funny. I said I liked it. But I didn't find it funny. I mean, I guess I found it kind of funny, but I was also like, I find that yeah. genuine. <laughs> no, that's what I said too. Okay. It sort of had like a Jack Burton and Big Trouble in Little China feel. He just is like, ah, fuck this. And he turns around and yeah, starts he running Yeah, he literally away. says that, yeah. <laughs> and he starts or running. Or does he say nope? Either yeah, way, yeah. he's, he's like, like yeah, no. peace the fuck out. <laughs> and then just runs away and they chase him. They chase him. And God, that's fucking scary. They are it's- running it is well executed tension and he he gets away of course but i mean just a really just barely well in done scene yeah um but this has left him quite rattled and the police that he's been kind of trying to help they're they're sort of against him at this point because He's technically a private citizen who wandered into some other place and like... And they had made some comment before when the police came and were investigating Amanda's room and things that like one of the guys says to him like, I know you were a cop and I, I know what you were like in St. Louis, which we know they're in Missouri. So, but I was kind of like, what did he do? But it's never brought up again. Either way, they're not like... Oh, we want to hear all you have to say, James. They're just like, do you have any evidence? Do you have any proof? And he's like, mm, no. And they're like, okay, bye. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But James That's can, it. But James starts to have these like hallucinations basically. And we find out that him and Amanda's mom had had an affair. Oosh. And he was with her when his wife and child died. He was died. Just with her. He was with her Inside in the in, in the her. biblical sense. Okay. Um and so James James is getting really fucked up and he's getting really frazzled. And so he st- he confronts one of these Pontifex Institute members and he had tra- he had, he had fo- costs. Well, he had followed them and saw them like genuflecting before this guy who's on a respirator. In a hospital. In a hospital. Bed. And so yeah. after that, he grabs the guy who had given him the information about the camp and uh, gets him to admit that the man in the hospital is the empty man. Or ex- that he's like the vessel through which the empty man is transmitting. And so James goes back to the hospital and after kind of a creepy conversation with a nurse, finds that Amanda is in the hospital room with this man, and she's trimming up his hair and everything. And through that, we find out that this man in the hospital is Paul from the original scene. Ah, It's Paul. Oh, look at that. It's Paul. That's what my note says. Ah, look at that. It's Paul. (laughs) And Amanda explains to him that Paul is dying because... Being a vessel for the empty man is... Sucks the life right out of you. It it, is a hard work. It does. So she explains that the Pontifex Institute needed a new vessel. And so rather than wait for the proper one to reveal themselves, they decided to create one. And so they Mm -hmm. engaged in this creation of a tulpa, which we saw a sort of rudimentary Cronenbergian equation earlier, which is like time plus concentration plus i can't there's plus something thought. else in there plus yeah thought plus time something i actually have a picture of it this is riveting podcasting here as i go through my phone to look for a picture but it was oh here it is thought plus concentration plus time equals flesh very cronenberg and so or if you think about it how you make a baby well there you go but basically 
Those videos that James watched were previous attempts at manifesting of a tulpa, manifesting a tulpa that had gone wrong. Gone, they weren't manifesting hard enough and this is what the mlms about girl boss success will tell you is that you have to really want it or it will not work and and the pontifex found that with the tulpas as well great thank you um (laughs) james but then amanda then reveals to james that he is the tulpa and that he was birthed three days ago birth to such a strong word he was thought of, he, he was came out manifested of into existence by the cult and by their spread of the empty man urban ritual or urban legend and they they sort of built into him these memories and experiences that a backstory they made yeah, him a backstory if that, you've ever that, played D that put him in an emotionally compromised position which makes you susceptible to being invaded by the empty man. Yeah. And he doesn't go for like well-adjusted people, but who is well-adjusted? And so James tries to call Amanda's mom who doesn't recognize him and he sort of anymore. And They've ha- had conversations before. And he has this really intense hallucination um, about his family and his house which is now empty and he then sort of has him he sees himself in like a dungeon more or less where mm-hmm. the empty man confronts him and invades his body and yeah. then sort of in a stupor he shoots Paul in the head replicating the Pontifex Institute logo with his blood splatter behind him yep and he comes out of the hospital room and all the people in the hospital bow before him which is like not just Pontifex cult members I mean there's not a lot of people like there's not more than eight people there I would bet and some of them are nurses and some of them are like just average looking people and they all drop to their knees I guess we don't know for sure if they're Pontifex or not but they all bow to him well I'm just saying some of them are an insane civilian clothes and then the movie is over yep so i mean there you go (laughs) get it uh (laughs) so yes part of i do (laughs) i guess i i i think there's been some interesting conversations about whether or not james is actually a tulpa or not or whether or not he's been sort of gaslit into believing he is one oh Um, that's interesting i never considered that i took I took it for face value. I, I think it. I think he is a tulpa. I think it's true, but it I would mean, still be an interesting thought experiment and, to think about it, though. And then obvi- there's also been some people have pointed out some similarity to the end of Hereditary, both of which Emma and I really like. Love. Um, and the director actually said that he was really bummed bummed when he saw Hereditary <laughs> because again his movie had been done for like a year and a half, but was when Hereditary yeah, when by, Heredi- the, by the gloved hands of Mickey Mouse. <laughs> when hereditary came out so it was like oh fuck another cult movie a cult movie where they have sort of engineered someone's entire life yeah and it ends with them being bowed to who knew (laughs) it does have some eerie similarities i think hereditary did it better um well i mean they're doing i know they're doing really different things i'm just putting my Um, opinion out in front but this this movie is for my money, maybe the best sort of like Lovecraftian horror movie that's ever been made. And it's not even really a HP Lovecraft story. It's sort of more or less David Pryor's own original story, sort mm-hmm. of with the empty man title pa- pasted on it. But yeah. it's it gets into this really unnerving cosmic horror stuff. And that's the kind of stuff that sits with me 
Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, he did a remarkable job. It's a really well-crafted movie. Mm-hmm. You can see the Finchy, Fincherian uh, influence in some of the noir stuff and mm-hmm. like his insert shots. And I, I, It's just such a capably made movie. And it's it's really got big things on its mind. And it swings so hard for the fences. And I mean, if it doesn't hit a home run, it like hits a ground rule double or a triple off the wall. I mean, it's like, re- yeah. it's really, <laughs> I know you love the baseball metaphor. I don't. Uh, it's, it, it really just impressed the hell out of me. I can't, can't say it enough. Can I give my opinion and not, and can I use a metaphor? If yeah. you're going to bring baseball into this, can I bring something I love into this in a metaphorical sense? Yeah. The movie to me is like a very interesting flavor of Laffy Taffy. You ever eaten, or or even, okay, no, not Laffy Taffy. Let's call it saltwater taffy. It's an interesting flavor of saltwater taffy where it chews and I'm chewing it. It's something new. There's a lot to consider. There's a lot to consider. It's an interesting flavor. And then all of a sudden, I've been chewing it for a very long time and my jaw is tired and I have accumulated a large amount of saliva in my mouth and I'm a little over it. I, I don't disagree with you that there are some very interesting con like topics explored and some very interesting execution of things and it does swing for the fences right but for me I would totally recommend somebody to watch it I would love to have more conversations with other people that aren't you um, about it what are you trying to say I'm saying I talk to you all the time well and I love you but look that's okay that's not what this is about will stop dragging i'm I'm just saying by the end i was a little like this is a lot to take in it's not maybe i'm just dumb or not dumb but it just everything wasn't it either elements either clicked like a little too fast for me on trope kind of stuff where i was like okay i get this but we're still kind of harping on it or it didn't click fast enough and i was like a little lost it was a mix of both of those things that by the end i was kind of like okay interesting way more interesting to me than something like malignant but it didn't hit every single beat for me like um a hereditary or a midsummer did do you know what i mean i'm not saying don't watch it i hated it it just it has some junk it has some like junky scares in it and like it tries to do it tries to do some cheaper stuff along like with the more sophisticated chasing, when the cult's stuff. chasing him they use so many lightning flashes that it almost felt like a rave scene that was yeah. a little like it's it's uh, it, it is not a, yeah. a perfect movie no. but i think part a big part of the problem is that is the marketing i think if they had marketed it more like well, I didn't the, see any of the marketing, but well, for the general but, public, yes. But I think I'm if sure. it if it were packaged more as this like air quote elevated horror kind of thing, it would have found a better audience than mm-hmm. the one it did, and it would have calibrated people's expectations correctly. Because you're right. I mean, a movie that's called The Empty Man and has that urban legend sort of sticker on the box um, makes you think that it's gonna be. A little easier to digest and it is not easy to digest it it is a, a complicated movie um and and sometimes in a frustrating way complicated um but i i but still i'm saying it was it was complex for me in the sense that some things were really hard to digest and wrap my mind around and some things i felt 
came too easy. So it was some combo of that for me. I'm like, I'm not, uh, I'm not dumb. I don't think you're saying I'm dumb, but like, no, 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 no. They're like, I like a complex thing, but it was just too. It was too much in both directions. It just needed, for me, it needed a little bit of an editing. It just needed, like, it needed a little bit of tweaking to some details. It needed some refinement. I know he didn't get that, and I'm sorry, Dave Pryor. He, in fact, said in the interview. Can I call you Dave? He said in in his interview with Thrillist, I think it was with Thrillist, that he would have cut six additional minutes out of this movie if he had gotten to edit. How does he know that it would have been six minutes? Because he knows what he would have cut. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, So he, I mean... There's a chance that there is a version of this movie that is what you're describing. It's just like a little tighter. Mm-hmm. But he didn't get a chance to do that, and so so it goes. And that's life. I mean, I sort of alluded to this earlier. There's no plans to do like a physical release of this movie or anything at this point, um, which I think this movie would really benefit from. First of all, it's got the kind of cult audience that people would buy it. Yeah. But second of all, I think that there's a lot of opportunity for alternate cuts, for mm-hmm. behind-the-scenes footage, for mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff like that. Um, some explanation, even some deleted scenes. Yeah. I, that, it's a kind of movie where I would... I mean, I'm kind of a sucker for special features and be, behind-the-scenes. Me and, too. I'm, I'm sure people are shocked at all. But I'm just saying, like, I, it is that kind of movie where I was like, I would love to hear someone who's like, this is their life or was their life for a year or however long filming took that, like, you deep dive into their brain and hear their thoughts, which are 10 times more qualified well, and than that, mine. That, that is interesting because, you know, Pryor has done several interviews since the movie kind of picked right, and back you said up. He was candid, right? But yeah, he's been really candid, which makes me think it's. <laughs> unlikely that he's going to get the chance to make another movie um and perhaps he feels that way too um because he really has not hidden his thoughts but i would be interested to hear what say james badge dale has to say about this you know somebody who starred in this movie and then had to wait four years for it to come out i mean it's obviously an unusual thing Mm -hmm. and more often than not if something like that happens because the movie's dog shit and even though you may not have liked it as much as i did i think you would say it's not dog shit it's it's a good movie yeah i don't think it is the type of movie like i had with hereditary and midsummer and i'm sorry to just pull ari aster into everything there are other movies like this too they're just not horror but uh, it's not the kind of movie where i'd be like you have to watch this and i'm gonna watch it with you and i want to watch your reactions it's more a movie that i would i know (laughs) but you would do that with anything Sorry, but but like I would tell someone to go watch it and then I'd want to engage in a conversation with them. I don't know if I'd want to see it a third, fourth time. Well, as it's cut right now, just personally, just personally. Well, I I will sort of end my spiel with this, which is that after having watched it a second time and knowing that there's not a real physical release on the horizon at the moment, I went online I found that our local. Oh my god! <laughs> I found that oh our, my god! I forgot about this. For I found. Two seconds. I found Holy that our, I found that our local Redbox had it, and the Redbox sells DVDs. And so I bought the Empty Man on DVD for four dollars. And here's the part that we I'm, don't have the case, so I gotta draw something. Uh, no, here's the part that you don't know. <laughs> what? I ordered a spare DVD case off of Amazon, and I have on Photoshop made my own case for it complete with like the production it looks like a real dvd case and i'm gonna print it out and put it in there 
Uh, I, I don't. My th- reaction right now is not suitable for podcasting because it's all visual. But I, what the fuck? Emma's really second guessing her choices uh, for marrying. It's, I'm in too deep. <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm assessing from. But I, those cases I, get here on Thursday, so I don't want to hear about it. So I wrap it up. I hope they do a real physical release, but oh I'm gonna God. have one, and it's gonna be homemade. It's gonna be great. <laughs> How? Many big spooky skeletons out of five would you give the empty man? Four. I you know I also would give it four. I'm glad that which is funny because Fuck I was. You. I don't want to agree with you right well, now. Well, it's what funny. Do you, mean you Photoshop. Never mind. I was so much higher on this movie than you, so it's funny that we came out on the same. Where it's coming from and some of the genuine scares, the complex ideas. I ju- it's just not something that I want to rewatch over and over and over again. I mean, that's just not your MO generally. So, but you know, I'm glad. I love to watch movies over and over and over again. But you not, just not don't want to watch the movies that I want <laughs> to watch not over these and kind over of movies. again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am glad you liked it. And I hope other people like it. I hope other people, your mileage may vary on The Empty Man, but I do hope people check it out because. This is the kind of movie that I wish they made more of, and the fact that it got such a rough ride just makes me want to support a movie like this. Yeah, you fi- love an underdog. And You've the- seen Rookie of the Year millions <laughs> of times. And David Pryor deserves the opportunity to make more movies, and okay. I hope that he gets it. Can I ask you, I know our rating system is out of five, but if it was Spooky Scary Skeletons out of ten, what would you give it? Because I would give it a seven. Okay, I probably would give it an eight. Okay, yeah, see, so there's our difference. 70% yeah. versus 80%. Yeah. C minus versus B minus. Well, but I will say that a four out of five is an 80%. You could have given it three and a half. Oh, my God. So. <laughs> Logic triumphs again. <laughs> I'm going to fart on your pillow, and I hope you get back. I probably would deserve it after that. All right. Wrap this, it up. Yeah, this has been a long one. Um, thank you for <laughs> listening. Go watch The Empty Man. Yeah, um, please. And then, Engage with me in conversation. I'm not going to watch it with you. Yeah, talk to us about The Empty Man and, uh, you know, go ahead and interact with us on Instagram or Facebook. Subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate I, us on the podcast yeah, apps. I like I like listening on Spotify. Me too. So We're not sponsored. I'm not sponsored by Spotify, but, We you will know. never be sponsored by Spotify, but... I, I, I do love I just Spotify. I like it. So, I know. They don't um, need our, they don't need but our kudos. <laughs> we'll be back. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you. Uh, you know, be at one with the empty man. And uh, What? <laughs> Did you have some... Oh, I'm sorry. You had some... You had some outro planned in your brain. I see no, it. Go ahead. No, be I'm at sh- one with... Be at one with the empty man. Empty man. Empty Bye. man. Empty man. Empty man. I know, it's great. Uh, (laughs) All right, thank you for listening to We Watch Dead People. So long. Sayonara.